Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefo Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Yeah, so at the very beginning here, because I, I have a feeling, but usually when we do these episodes, Annie, we get a pretty good response and you guys really relate to this. So I have to put some disclaimers up in this at the very top. Uh, while we were working on this episode, I did have a full breakdown trying to decipher the difference between disassociation and dissociation. So if you can't tell, that's what our episode is about today, women and dissociation. But my pea brain really has a hard time saying the word dissociation. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why I've used that term always. I've never really used the term dissociation or dissociative. Mm -hmm. Um, So please don't judge me and the likelihood of me using it. And I'm going to try to correct myself because I know it is the correct way of using it. It's pretty high. So please don't at me. (laughs) Uh, or judge me too harshly because they are actually synonyms uh, with dissociate being a more popular word over disassociate as of recently. Both have the meaning of, quote, to remove from or cause to break the association of. Thank you, freedictionary.com. However, when it comes to the psychological level, they are not created equal. So this is why I'll say dissociative. Mm-hmm. Did you hear me struggle on yeah, that one? Yeah, it's tough. And I really, I'm trying, I'm trying. So please <laughs> don't count how many times. Although now that I've said it, you may actually start counting how many times I do this today. I've done that before. Yeah. On, so, on myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of scared to come back. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Christina's already dreading it. Our amazing producer who's like, oh, I'm going to have to cut this out so many times. <laughs> yeah. She can keep count. <laughs> yes, yes. And then send so, us a note. <laughs> right, so let us know how many and we'll make an announcement. So what mm-hmm. we are talking about is the psychological level. So that term would be dissociate, which refers to, quote, a split within a person's psyche, a defense mechanism used by trauma survivors to remove themselves from a threatening situation within their own minds. Again, I may use the term interchangeably, but we'll work really hard to use the correct term in relation to our topic Go ahead and put that out there because I know people are going to be like, but you didn't say the right word. I know. I'm trying. (laughs) It's going to be hard for me too. Uh, This is (laughs) going to be a struggle, but we're going to do our best. Yes. I actually texted Annie as uh, we were working on this episode because I was like, I just went down and y'all, not only did I go down an hour length of the rabbit hole because I sat here and stared. I couldn't even figure it out because it kept correct, auto-correcting me when I was putting disassociation mm-hmm. or dissociation. And I kept saying, no, there's not enough syllables. Wait, there's not enough letters to be made this word. What is ha- what is happening? Mm-hmm. I really, <laughs> I dissociated at that point in time. I had to have my partner come and look at the word for me. I'm like, what is this word? <laughs> right. <laughs> and finally figured it out. But I'll, it took me a good hour mm-hmm. into this to figure this out. And I finally had a breakdown. I sent you this text. I was like, oh, my God. 
Yeah. My mind is finally fried. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that did it. This, this is, is it. the one. This is what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but with that, also, we want to put a content warning here. We are going to talk about uh, a bit about trauma, sexual and physical assault, and uh, childhood abuse, as well as abuse in general. So if that's something you don't want to dig too deeply into, you may want to skip this episode for now. Because when it comes to dissociation, there's a lot of correlation to other uh diagnosis such as anxiety, depression, and PTSD. So if that's something that you're not ready to go through, put a pause on it mm-hmm. and come back. But we're not going into specific cases. We're going to just mention studies and what their studies look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it it can be, I'm going to put this out here, it can be surprisingly triggering, actually. Yes. Because I knew about this. I thought about it before. Uh, and I found myself like getting upset thinking about it. So right. just be very careful for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Especially when you realize that the story is about me. Right. Kind of conversation. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely an episode <laughs> where you're like, uh oh. <laughs> or at least I was. I don't want to put that on anybody yeah. else, but I was like, oh Ooh. no. <laughs> yeah. As you like the like, we, uh, we laughed because you like some traumatic movies to yeah. me. I'm like, what are you doing to yourself? You're like, but it's got so many emotions. <laughs> and But you love it and thrive mm-hmm. on it. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Why did you do this to me? <laughs> uh, studies like this where I discovered an explanation of what I've done makes me go, ooh, as where other people are like, no, mm-hmm. this is this to me. Yeah. No, that's, you're exactly <laughs> Which right. I'm sorry, but also traumatizing still. <laughs> <laughs> but also traumatizing still. I mean, it is good to know. Like, I found it very... It's good information, but it is certainly something where I was just like suddenly crying when I was walking the other day. Like, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) what is happening? (laughs) What is happening? Yes, I get that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that we've given our content warning, we've summarized definition, what exactly is dissociation? Well, according to medicinenet.com, it is a, quote, perceived detachment of the mind from the emotional state or even from the body. Dissociation is characterized by a sense of the world as a dreamlike or unreal place and may be accompanied by poor memory of specific events. Um, And here's another one from betterhelp.com. Dissociation is the process whereby an individual feels disconnected or begins to disconnect from their memories, emotions, thoughts, feelings, and even their identity. And if you want it more clinically, which you know we do, uh, here are the four different types of dissociative disorders according to psychiatry.org. Right. Let's start off with uh, Biggie. Dissociative Identity Disorder, or DID, uh, which is associated with overwhelming experiences, traumatic events, and abuse that occurred in childhood. Now, this specific disorder is the more, again, dramatized one, I guess, and was previously known as multiple personality disorders. And I know a lot of, like, Crime TV mm-hmm. loves to use this. Um, and it is controversial because there's definitely a back and forth about belief and acting. There's a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. And some criteria for this diagnosis from psychiatry.org include the existence of two or more distinct identities or personality states. The distinct identities are accompanied by changes in behavior, memory, and thinking. The signs and symptoms may be observed by others or reported by the individual. Ongoing gaps in memory about everyday events, personal information, and or past traumatic events. And the symptoms cause significant distress or problems in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. Hello, Moon Knight. (laughs) Um, And though more women are diagnosed with this disorder than men, and I didn't actually know that until I was researching this. Mm -hmm. uh, But that may have something to do with how false diagnosis happens with men. And we've talked about this before, um, how it might look differently for men, or they may not report all of the symptoms. This might be why the numbers are so drastically higher with women. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to dig too deep into this specific disorder. It'd probably be another episode on its own because we can talk about specific cases and conversations. Again, though, we are just generically talking about dissociation. Mm-hmm. So we're not necessarily talking about specifics in itself. But specifically, I know a lot of people will be like, ooh, we're not getting into this one. Sorry. Yeah. Y'all. Yeah. Not today. Not today. Not today. Mm-mm. Not today. Uh, But we do want to talk about the other types of dissociation, including dissociative amnesia and fugue and depersonalization disorder. 
So dissociative amnesia, and this is coming from NAMI, our National Alliance of Mental Illness, includes the main symptom of, quote, difficulty remembering important information about oneself and may surround a particular event, such as combat or abuse, or more rarely, information about identity and life history. And with that, quote, there is no average for age onset or percentage, and a person may experience multiple episodes throughout her life. And... Within this category, there are four different types of amnesia. I'm seeing a pattern. Localized, quote, for a time has no memory of a traumatic event. Selective, which is when someone has, quote, patchy or incomplete memories surrounding a traumatic event. Generalized, which refers to when someone has trouble remembering details of their, quote, entire life. Um, It felt weird to quote. It was a quote, but it felt strange. Um, (laughs) Systemized, which is when someone has a very specific memory loss, like maybe a person. Um, And then dissociative fugue, which is also called psychogenic fugue, uh, is from Better Health, quote, the person suddenly and without any warning can't remember who they are and has no memory of their past. They don't realize they are experiencing memory loss and may invent a new identity. Right. I think that's lesser talked about, uh, possibly because it's rare. Um, Mm Kind of like this upcoming one that we're going to talk about, which is the depersonalization disorder. Again, from NAMI, it says, quote, involves ongoing feelings of detachment from actions, feelings, thoughts, and sensations as if they're watching a movie or depersonalization. Sometimes other people and things may feel like people and things in the world around them are unreal, which is also derealization, which is a part of that. kind of goes interchangeably. A person may experience depersonalization, derealization, or both. The average onset age for this is around age 16, uh, though can start much younger, like in early to mid-childhood. You don't see this typically for those 20 years and older. The, only 20% of the people are diagnosed at the age of 20 or older. So this is definitely seen in younger childhood. So I think that's something to know. Again, like I said, when we talk about it, this is a little more rare outside of DID, which we talked about earlier, um, but because of it seemingly happens more likely in childhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, As one study puts it, dissociation is a complex trans-diagnostic phenomenon which comprises a wide range of symptoms. It is broadly defined as a discontinuity or disruption of usually integrated functions, such as consciousness, perception, attention, memory, and identity. Psychological symptoms include subjective detachment from the own person, depersonalization, or the environment, derealization, which may be perceived as unreal, blurry, movie-like, or lacking significance. Memory disruptions can range from a diminished ability to access normally amenable information to dissociative amnesia. Right. So when we were looking into the study, there's a lot of variation. So I feel like this should be on a spectrum as well um, when we talk about diagnosis. And again, we probably need to come back and we will come back because I think this is really important talking about the double-edged sword of diagnosing someone. It's good and bad. Uh, But there's a lot of complications to this specific disorders and the types of disorders because it can be ranging. You can uh, grow out of it, as some people would say, and you can change uh, and you can get treatment and it's different. But yeah, that that one specific paragraph from a study really did kind of put it together. Like, okay, here we are. This is the overarching. This is what we're looking at. So it's good to remember that it is kind of that level of spectrum of like, it can be one of these things. It could be all of these things and it could be sometimes, not all the time. So... Uh, Now, let's take a look at how this affects women with trauma, and this is what we're going to focus on, y'all. So, what are the correlations of women with trauma and dissociation? As we spoke about a bit earlier, women are more likely to be diagnosed over men. Again, much like many other situations we talked about in regards to diagnosis and the accuracies of these studies could be misleading as many men in these studies either deny their symptoms or misidentify their symptoms, such as instead of amnesia or checking out, men are volatile and angry. So, they might be blackout angry and they misdiagnose that. And by the way, I've been there. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, So that may be a misdiagnosis of like having rage or just anger issues, alcoholism, all of those things. I did, we don't mention it at all, but I will put in here, um, there wasn't a high correlation of drug use and substance abuse with dissociation, oddly enough. So it wasn't necessarily like they dissociated and became alcoholic. You know mm, what I mean? Right. Maybe the other was an outcome due to whatever uh, they are using, but that's not necessarily this level of dissociation. Right. So 
just to put it in there. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the difference in the results is pretty significant. According to one study in regards to women in trauma with dissociative disorders, women were twice as likely to achieve high scores on the dissociative experience scale, which was a measurement used in any of the studies in regards to dissociation and dissociative disorders. And this specific study we're talking about was completed in 2005, and it was titled Prevalence of Dissociative Disorders Among Women in the General Population. And in that same study, quote, female-to-male ratio of 9 to 1 has been reported in a clinical series of dissociative disorders. So that's pretty big numbers. Yeah. Again, it may have everything to do with that they were looking at specific traumas, but this was in in the general population and, and women in general. So, and within that same study, those who were diagnosed with dissociative disorders, quote, reported all types of childhood abuse and neglect more frequently than did non-dissociative women. And beyond that, quote, sexual abuse, physical neglect, and emotional abuse predicted a dissociative disorder. Right. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Because dissociation oftentimes is linked with trauma, we see a lot of comorbidities uh, such as PTSD and depression. In a 2015 study based on rape survivors in South Africa, they looked at the correlation of PTSD and trauma dissociation and resilience. Within that study, they found, quote, dissociation following trauma may be used as a coping defense mechanism when confronted with future traumatic events. This suggests that past dissociation, e.g. following exposure to childhood trauma, can increase the likelihood of a dissociative response with future trauma and that dissociation may become a form of resilience for immediate coping. Uh, And just to note, this study was not necessarily about dissociation as being a positive or negative defense mechanism, uh, but more so that it may be a way of predicting PTSD and other disorders and how to build resilience and treatment for survivors. And another interesting, and for me, unexpected finding was that they, quote, did not find a significant relationship between childhood trauma and disassociation, PTSD, and depression. This finding is in contrast with the previous findings. So this one was a little different. It said, wait, 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 it may not have anything to do with this, uh, but does go on with a possible explanation saying, quote, it is possible that the endemic problem of child abuse in South Africa in the context of daily exposure to violent crime and social economic disadvantage contribute to building resilience rather than fostering maladaptive coping mechanisms. For example, dissociation. Resilience may be strengthened by sharing of common traumatic experiences. It's been suggested that childhood trauma survivors develop more effective coping strategies if they successfully resolve and integrate the trauma, leading to greater resilience and a lower risk of developing PTSD. Now, let's go ahead and put in here, yes, a study was done in South Africa, 
were I, I don't know where they were in South Africa because we know that this seems very like stereotyping of South Africa in some of the comments. This is a 2015 study, but it may have something to do with they went to the population that had the most trauma to do this tr- study. So just want to put that in reminder. Um, but the same study does go on to conclude that, quote, traumatic dissociation at two weeks post-rape was a significant predictor of early PTSD and depression, but not resilience, early childhood trauma, or prior dissociation. Dissociation at a specific time point related to specific trauma was therefore predictive of PTSD and depression among female rape survivors and not childhood traumas or a prior tendency to dissociate. So the level is, when did it happen? Was it based on childhood trauma? Not necessarily. Dissociation was a mediator in the relationship between resilience and PTSD. And these findings highlight the importance of screening for traumatic dissociation and early intervention among female rape survivors. So there's a lot of conversation about, yes, so childhood trauma may not have as much to do with it as much as current levels of dissociative disorders uh, that has happened. So I found that interesting, a lot of confusion, a lot of in and outs, a little bit conflicting. One study was 2005, the other study was 2015, but it was in different places. So, yeah, questions. Yeah, questions indeed. And a specific study completed in the U.S. in 1994 focusing on rape survivors as well, uh, which, yes, uh, this is a bit outdated, so... Need to be, we need to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but uh, there were some things in there we thought were interesting. One is the seven major functions of dissociation, which are number one, the automization of certain behaviors, two, efficiency and economy of effort, three, the resolution of irreconcilable conflicts, four, escape from constraints of reality, uh, five, the isolation of catastrophic experiences. Six, the cathartic discharge of certain feelings. And seven, the enhancement of herd sense or the one identity going to a group identity. And to that, they added the ability to ignore pain. And specifically for this study, they wanted to take a deeper look at when victims would make statements like feeling as if they were having an out-of-body experience (laughs) um, during their assault and investigate dissociation for women who have been victims of sexual violence and its relation to PTSD. Unfortunately, though, they were able to look at the correlation of some of the cases of PTSD to dissociation and how to predict and possibly treat PTSD with other comorbidities. But uh, due to the type of study being traumatic, as well as not getting enough volunteers, they didn't get a lot of information from all of this. Right. So again, this was one of the first studies that happened based on dissociation, trauma, and rape survivors. They had very little information. So they put in there the questionnaires they used. Obviously, that's outdated as well now. um, And there's a lot of conversations about this. They use the term engender a lot. Um, So there's a lot of different things that happen in the study, but they couldn't get the amount of information they needed to really have a good study. Now, don't get me wrong. They still publish like 30 pages worth of uh, conversation and trying to do a scale and trying to do a measurement. And they were able to get a few things here and there, just kind of like overall uh, conversations, but they weren't able to get solid numbers. And I don't think they were comfortable in coming out with results. So they said, this is what can happen. And this is how we can do a better job in studying it for the future. But I think it's at least they started somewhere. Mm -hmm. Can't believe it took till 1994, though. Yeah. There's a lot of things, a lot of studies, especially involving women, where I'm like, hmm, really? Right. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, cool. Um, And just a reminder, as we are talking in relation to women and trauma, and this can include uh, veterans and combat and soldiers and warriors and those who've gone through, like, uh, natural disasters, large disasters, all that— We're not talking about that right now, and we're not trying to exclude them on purpose, but we're just really kind of focusing specific to women's trauma when it comes to uh, things like sexual assault, violence, and abuse. Mm -hmm. Again, we might come back to that, but this is very, very specific to this. Right. Which is why you won't hear us mention it, but just, you know, just so you know, we we are aware that that can be a factor. They do talk about it some, but these are the specific studies that we wanted to look at. Mm -hmm. And as we were looking into these different studies, we stumbled upon... Uh, specific triggers or trauma triggers related to dissociation. So we actually got a list uh, from safesupportivelearning.ed.gov. So we did want to talk about that a little bit because I will say this was the part that I may have been a little bit triggered by because I was like, oh, that's that's familiar. What do I do with that? Uh, yeah. But we did want to talk about it because I think it's, it's important because we don't always think about the deeper 
we just think about a few like this is, oh, I didn't realize that could be related to this kind of thing. So we wanted to kind of talk about that. Um, and according to another case study here, uh, which is what they use this for, we are talking about triggers. So we're talking about, quote, sensory stimuli connected with person's trauma and dissociation as an overload response. So some of the triggers may include darkness, uh, so sitting in darkness, specific smells, colors. For me, taste is one of the big ones. Sense of being ignored, which actually, as a person who has abandonment issues, it does. Uh, uh, uh-huh. Aggressive behavior, loud noises. And again, this is kind of that combat conversation, like people who have gone through war or been in war-like yeah. situations, uh, natural disasters, all of that, um, anniversaries even, and so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big anniversary person. And with that, here are some signs of distress and responses. Uh, Emotional response, like anxiety, fear, helplessness, or anger. Physical, such as holding one's breath, headaches, nausea, sweating, stomach aches. Behavioral, such as crying, spacing out, uh, being startled, being argumentative. Cognitive, such as fragmented memories, forgetfulness, inability to decide, or inability to respond. Right. And I I think like uh, when I talk about inability to decide, that's a huge one. I've seen people Mm -hmm. have meltdowns. Because they're scared to death they're going to make a wrong choice. So I feel like this is one of those big ones and not realize why it's so bothersome for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And in these triggers and reactions, dissociation helps to hide feelings and reactions, as we mentioned earlier, and can look like someone who is just postponing something so they don't have to deal with the feelings or emotions to also being completely non-responsive. And when used in the short term can be helpful and even can help react efficiently under stress or threat. But the overall response, if constant, can cause people to detach or even harden their emotions and be unable to connect with people. Right. And we are talking so much about these. And again, we came into this uh, talking, having a moment, I think you and I, Annie, about something that we were like, oh, this is a bigger conversation about our trauma and go back to our trauma series where it all began. Um, Mm -hmm. You can hear what we're talking about and some of the experiences that we went through and realizing what this is and what this was. And I actually had a moment with my therapist. I got a new therapist. I don't know if I've told you this yet, uh, who is more in line to my uh, transracial adoption issues as well as identity, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But she did have a moment and asked me, do you dissociate? And Mm -hmm. my immediate response was, no, not really. Um, But then as she's asking me how I react to, so I had a panic attack. A lot of life changes is happening for me right now. And I had a panic attack in that moment, uh, feeling unsteady. And I was like, she's like, what do you do? And in order to not go into the full-blown panic attack. And I say, well, I have to do A, B, C, and D, which includes me laying down and or stopping and just putting my, like distracting myself from that moment um, and realizing when I was, uh, when I do have full-blown panic attacks, which I did not realize in my anxiety, I go blurry and I fade and I can't hear people. Like everything, like she asked me what happens, everything kind of goes out and that blurry feeling of like, I'm not actually here and can't be present is very real. And I was like, oh, that's dissociation. (laughs) (laughs) Having a realization that I really didn't think that was something that I did, but it is one of my trauma responses in which I like, okay, there's one. I talked about the fact that I have, when I get so stressed out and overwhelmed, I don't remember. And sometimes I get cruel. So this angry, this is what I talk about when I get angry and cruel. I don't realize that I've said things out loud. I've actually been called out by a friend uh, who was like, so can we talk about the other day? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you said this to me. And I was like, no, I didn't. I was like, I, I and I had to admit, I thought it, but I would <laughs> yeah. never say that out loud. And she was like, you did. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, it, I literally cannot place that conversation. I don't know where we were. I don't know what happened. And I had, of course, yeah. I came back with a profuse, I am so sorry. Because obviously, if she she can't read my mind. I had to have said it out loud. Right. right. So I had to profusely apologize. But having that moment of like, wow, wow, I was trying to cut you out. Like, not purposely, but because we, we were getting, we're close. And sometimes I have a panic moment when I get too close to people. But I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, that was, 
I'm so sorry. I did not mean to. It was very cruel. And I'm so sorry I said that out loud to you. Right. <laughs> Which, of course, mm-hmm. like, we, we were able to bypass the fact that I thought it. But... <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there were so many moments of realizing I, I actually do this and I, I didn't realize and I would never because in my head dissociation is such a bigger category like the DID is what I think of or completely right. blacking out or or moon night like that's exactly mm-hmm. what I would have associated that with but that level of trauma I was like oh and also I can see it in other people because you this is how mm-hmm. it began because I kind of said that to you I was like oh you dissociated and you were like what yeah I guess <laughs> and I was like <laughs> Yeah. You did. I'm sorry. Can we do this as an episode? <laughs> Literally, That's pretty how much that how it went, went down. down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, having a moment mm. like it happens to me too. And then uh, we looked at this list of triggers and reactions. And in here, um, for anyone who actually wants this link or goes to find this link, uh, just so you know, there is a descriptor at the bottom of a case study of a sexual assault uh, and a child abuse uh survivor. So that might be triggering and you might not want to read into that, but it does kind of a, have a breakdown about how she reacts to uh, what, the, how that it is explained as dissociative. But mm-hmm. it, it really was so similar. And I'm like, I do that. I do that. The whole headaches, the holding of my breath, I don't mm-hmm. realize I do it until I can't. I'm like, oh, what just happened? Until I'm almost passed I do that out. Too. Um, mm-hmm. Or that's a reaction to a trigger as well as I have fragmented memories of my childhood. I have, I completely dissociate. I cannot remember. Of course, that may have something to do with uh, the fact that a lot of our childhood memories not only do are correlated with what we remember, but what people tell us to, which is pictures and celebrations. And do you remember this? So it keeps it in your mind. I don't have that because I don't have any connection to anyone uh, when I was seven or younger. But that tells me a lot in that I honestly can't remember anything like I can't remember people I can't remember not even just remember faces but the existence of people or the existence of time I can't tell you other than like the fogginess of it all there's a lot of things that made me go huh okay I guess if we really were to look at the textbook what which which is what we're looking at research of it I have a sort of dissociative disorder in that realm now is it could I be necessarily diagnosed with that right now i don't know because i've not had quote-unquote episodes of anything or symptoms of it anything recently yeah snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over six million active hourly workers Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
I mean, it's interesting because I was like you where I had sort of the bigger image that we see in media. Right. Of what this is. But uh, it was one of those things where I was reading over this and I was like, okay, well, then I've already talked about this on the show. <laughs> because that's how, like, my memories, when I read that fiction story of, like, the knocking on the door, I literally created another version of me where that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I became so destabilized when my mom mentioned in passing something that threatened that false reality that I had created. Right. That it's like, I, can, I don't even remember how I got home when she, after she said that. I just was like, I stopped and then hours passed. Like I don't. And so I, I definitely created these things. If I try to remember, because this was like, my traumatic period in high school, I created this version where that didn't happen. If I try to remember what actually did happen, it's like someone slams the door and it goes dark. Like my brain is like, no, we're not going to think about right. that. We're never going to think about that. And I don't know why you want to think about right. that. And that's been my, one of my biggest things in therapy is I'm avoiding it in therapy. And it, but every time <laughs> like we try to do it, my brain is like, no, yeah. we're not doing this. And it's become really... I'm kind of going through a similar destabilizing period right now where I'm like questioning like everything I've thought mm-hmm. to be true and whether or not it's true. And that, that actually started at the beginning of the pandemic because a good friend of ours, I told him we were having like a very heart to heart moment. And I told him like, I'm worried. I'm worried everything I think is false and everything I am is false. And that, that's what people are going to remember is that I was just fake. Because I have these memories that I know aren't true and I have other memories I can't remember. Right. So it just, it gives, it, it's very hard to convince yourself of like the truth. Right. And that can become very important because um, memories can get really messy. But he wrote a very kind, it sounds messed up, but he wrote a very nice eulogy for me. <laughs> you <laughs> asked him to it. though, right? I did. Yeah, I, yeah. I was, well, <laughs> no, I was just kind of saying like, what old people say at my eulogy? And he was like, here's what they'll say. Right, and he wrote it. Right. It very so sweet. it's not just like, you're dead. Here you go. No, no, no. Um, but no, yeah, I think this is that conversation where I feel the same way about my childhood. I am petrified because the things that I feel like I do remember, I may have made up because I don't know mm-hmm. for sure. There's not, no evidence outside of yeah. my triggers, my reactions to things, my body mm-hmm. just being like, nope. That made mm-hmm. me think, this had to have happened because these are the memories mm-hmm. that I have and this is how my body reacts. So therefore, right. but I don't want to say it out loud because I may be lying and people are not going to believe me. And so yep. I, I, uh, I lessen it in order mm-hmm. to not sensationalize it and I don't want to be called a liar Mm-hmm. And be like, that couldn't have happened type of conversation. But I'm like, but these are the things that I remember. This is the reason why right. that the evidence, honestly, one of the biggest triggers that I've had studying social work is when we talked about uh, reactions and types of diagnosis and types of symptoms, essentially, or, or uh, statements that are like, yeah, you may be, these are things. Me having mm-hmm. a moment like, that is, that's me. Mm-hmm. And so having those moments, having that moment, like, did this happen to me type of conversation? Mm-hmm. Because I can't remember it. I just know it was traumatic and it was traumatic enough that I shut it down. I cannot remember except for two things, uh, two or a few things here and there that I shut it down so hard. Um, but mm-hmm. I can tell you, like, moments of feeling a man's gaze on me made me sick uh, and, mm-hmm. and nauseous, like just staring, looking at me made me nauseous Mm -hmm. but then also feeling like they didn't want me like that like even when I talk about it I get teary like just saying someone they don't actually want me to be here I don't belong has been something that triggers me and there's no Mm -hmm. necessary like obviously I have abandonment issues I was left in an orphanage so it's so many layers to that but there's so many Mm -hmm. moments that I'm like but was it true was it as bad as I thought type yeah. of conversation in my head because also there's a part of me that has that defensive of like I don't need to remember my body my mind my body shut it down for a reason mm-hmm. let's leave it there yep right yeah yeah uh, I I feel like mine I mean again we're seeing all these kind of media representations I definitely have like the movie remember I remember the things I can remember from a third person right and she feels like a different person to me which is part of why I created that story but it is like, it's the slamming of the door. I feel like I have the memories, but my brain is like, we are not going in that door. We are right. not going in there. Right. That is bad news. And then I've definitely had like the blacking out. I had a, when I was kind of at the height of this, a friend of mine pulled my ponytail. I don't know what happened, 
but uh, I got like sent to the principal principal's office. <laughs> I was blacked out. Um, and so a lot of this, yeah, I was just connecting to. And then another thing, when I was, wa- I was taking my morning walk, I had just watched the newest episode of Moon Knight, which I'm not even talking about the whole thing that's going on there. I'm talking about the abuse that happened. <laughs> um, and I started crying and I was like, what if there can be no cinnamon roll? What if everyone's right? Oh my God. But that was a big thing for me was the fictional, I would just kind of sit in my room and think, and I know you you all have heard this. You've heard me talk about this on the show where it was just like, I had to believe these things. I had to believe someone could go through this and come out the other side. Right. Um, and that was a big, it's, it's, it sounds so silly and I feel ridiculous, but I, that's what I got upset about <laughs> was this kind of like fictional idea because that's how, that's another way I would do it was I would be this person. Right. And that helped me feel like I had worth because um, I believed that they did. Right. And that's the problem <laughs> is that we fight with ourselves and it, it, from where I'm hearing you, that that's not ridiculous. That makes absolute sense. And it is a moment of like mourning and processing that. Like, if this is not true, then this is the correlation for me. Right, right. Um, And I think so many things that I'm hearing you say and I'm hearing myself say is something that we hear in this conversation of sexual assault and sexual trauma. And I'm not saying like, it's not true at all, because we're speaking honestly, but of the like, kind of, it couldn't be that bad. Or what if people don't believe me? Like we're saying a lot of that kind of stuff, um, which is upsetting. But that is how I felt. Like I just, I also thought like there's no evidence of a lot of this. So what if my mind is just the one that's at fault? Like you start questioning yourself. Right. Um, Even though they feel so true and you have those in body, like emotional, physical reactions. Right. And that's exactly, like, that's the thing. Is like, we can't control any of that. <laughs> hmm And why would I, why would we want this? Right, right. No one wants <laughs> this. <laughs> I, and I've had the moments where I've had to prepare people. So as I'm diving into my, for me, my uh, Korean identity, trying to kind of figure some things out. Uh, again, my experience is a little different from some. Like, I know a lot of adoptees were uh, brought here as infants, so they don't necessarily know the association to or have an association to uh, Korean flavors, as in, like, they don't, they've never tasted it. They've never remember. They wouldn't remember it, necessarily. Um, and again, there's several who have. They were older. For me, um, I have memories. And taste is, and smell is such a trigger to me that as I'm trying this process, I had to wait till almost late, I mean, late 30s, early 40s for me to even be like, I can do this. But I still come to the point of telling people, hey, this might happen to me. As yeah. in preparing them, like, I might have a triggered moment and I might dis- dissociate now that I know, like, I might dissociate whether it's for me, like, just fogging and literally blanking and becoming unresponsive, mm-hmm. which is what happens with a panic attack. I become unresponsive. I also can't breathe, but those are two different things, but I still don't remember <laughs> what happens in that moment. Everything becomes foggy. Um, mm-hmm. This is that same level-ish where I have a react, a visceral reaction that I can't control. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to have those moments and try to find the good of it and re- redo, yeah. redo those moments and, and enjoy it. And mm-hmm. it's not necessarily bad, but it just brings me back to a place that I felt unsafe. Right. Even though I can't mm-hmm. tell you why. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's so many things. And, and again, this is why I want to talk about it, because I also think this battle we have in ourselves in recognizing some of these things, we don't want to talk about it as if we're victims. But it's also kind of a relief to know that, okay, there's a name for this. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. Would I want to be identified as dissociative disorder? No, because someone would be like, do you have 15 personalities? Which one are you now? Because that's the one we think of oftentimes. Right. Even though it's the least likely, honestly. Like, there's not too many cases. Of, like, there are. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But there's still, it's like, mm-hmm. eh, it's not as common as people want to make it out to be. Which is also why maybe it is sensationalized, because it is so Mm -hmm. different. But I think it's fascinating uh, to talk about it because it does affect so many women dealing with daily life, dealing with relationships, like trying to be in dating and thinking that this is the norm and that's all they have to do. And then therefore, if they don't love every part of it, then there's something wrong. Um, 
And there are reasons but to this. And for me, actually, I would use this, what I would do as me saying I have, this is my survivor's instinct. Mm-hmm. This is my, uh, you know, uh, survivor mechanism. Like, this is what I have to do in order to survive. It's hard for me to let go of. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's probably what I would have, before we did this and I knew what it was, I would have said that because it was something my brain, my brain and my body just did because I couldn't handle it. Right. I mean, that sounds terrible, but essentially like it was like, no, you, we don't, you you are going to break completely down if we think about this. We're just not going to think about it. Right. And that's how I survived. Right. And that's kind of the level of the psyche for any dissociative uh, disorders is that kind of like, I can't handle this trauma right now. So this is what I, my body's going to do. This is what my mind's going to do. This is what my mental health is going to do. This is my psyche, what it's going to do, whether it's to do the extreme of having four different people inside of me or just forgetting it, just forgetting mm-hmm. it. Yep. Um, in hopes that I'd never have to dig it up again. But it mm-hmm. always haunts you, obviously, because there's still triggers there. Um, and, and though we are talking about uh, sexual trauma and abuse. I did kind of want to mention also uh, attachment theories here. And we talked about attachments before, women attachment issues. We've also talked about uh, parentification before. Mm-hmm. And this is all, ta-da, correlated. Um, there is another study that was titled Dissociative Experiences of Women Child Abuse Survivors. And it actually goes into this whole conversation about uh, the different experiences for young for women who had, again, child abuse, uh, whether it's emotional abuse, whether it's uh, physical, whether it's sexual. They talk about the level of how attachment, because we've talked about the results of how you react or attach to people has a lot to do with how you interact or what's happened in your childhood and who you trust and who you can see is safe and secure. Part of that attachment level in our conversations before, but how that correlates with dissociative, especially when it becomes one extreme of another. And one of the big things I talk about, which we mentioned earlier, was emotional abuse and emotional neglect and neglect in general. So not even physical or sexual abuse where it's all physical, just the mental abuse in itself can cause dissociative disorders or diagnosis or symptoms as well. And it's something to remember because, again, we do talk about the extreme levels of the movie Sybil was based on a pretty severe sexual abuse, physical abuse case way back when. And it became a huge uh, kind of beginning in this conversation. And that's what we think of. And not that this doesn't happen. It absolutely does. But when we talk about emotional abuse, when we talk about attachment theories and attachment issues... This can be going, this can go hand in hand. And that's what we want to recognize that it's not what you think. It's not abnormal. It's not necessarily that it's detrimental. It is that it exists. And what you are doing is something that is trying to protect yourself. Well, you already knew this. We said, you said that just now, even before we talked about what dissociative disorder was and its many symptoms or diagnosis, you were like, this is my self defense mechanism. And that's what we call it. But in, a, but in reality, this is kind of that level of trauma that has taught us to cope this way. Is it always healthy? No. Can we talk about the fact that it can be debilitating? Yes. But does it exist? Yes. And can we talk about the fact that attachment theories, when extreme neglect or extreme abuse or parentification, when the expectation is laid upon a child to raise the parent or raise other kids or become the parent in the family, it can cause a lot of trauma. Again, we talked about that earlier, and I think it's something to know that these studies are talking about why this can be a problematic and how this can occur. So it is a result of and not necessarily something that you're born with necessarily, which I don't know if that's, there's so many things to that. <laughs> we know when it comes to diagnosis. It's like trauma versus biology. So, yeah, but some people are more susceptible. We know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is this is the thing about these types of uh, disorders and diagnosis is it's complicated and it's co- a yeah. conversation that can go to many directions it can snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. And before we get into our final direction, I actually want to make a very strange note. I just realized some people might be listening to this show for the first time because you're interested in this topic. If you didn't know, a cinnamon roll is a trope uh, about a character who is very sweet, very pure. They go through a lot of trauma, but are just like sweethearts. Right. Uh, So if you're listening to this and you're like, what? <laughs> and another thing to add is one of Annie's uh, way of of distancing herself and just kind of giving herself self care. Fan fiction is her love, yeah. right now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I wrote so much fan fiction last night. I needed to go to sleep, but I had an idea. <laughs> Um. <laughs> which we love. Which we love for her. Uh, what yes, do I do? Uh, sleep. Okay. <laughs> Yes. All right. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to make that note for anyone who was listening to that very yeah, serious gonna, conversation. I was going to stop you to remind you that the people who are listening to this one may not be listening to the exactly. other one, vice versa. Yes. So, Sorry. But I love this. This um, is my favorite trope. Yeah. All right. Go which, ahead. Yeah. We just had a recent review. Someone was like, I love Annie's love for all these nerd things. And I love Samantha's <laughs> love for social justice and social issues. Yeah. I was like, I'm the boring one here. No, you're not. <laughs> 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 but moving on. So as we're mm-hmm. talking about trauma, let's kind of come out of it. Uh, we're going to talk about dissociative uh, disorders, dissociation, and today. Because there's been some things that's been talked about. Uh, again, social media has kind of made things rampant. We use words like empath, and we use dissociate or disassociate, as mm-hmm. we like to say, because I'm, I all... I'm sure Christina has made us sound wonderful, but the many times we've had to go back and forth on that word has been a lot. Yeah. A yeah, lot. We need you know, a supercut. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Christina, if at the end you just want to put a supercut of us cursing, trying to figure out the right <laughs> word, go ahead. Or you could just make a little announcement how many times we messed up. Mm-hmm. So recently in 2019, there was a whole new phenomenon in which uh, a BuzzFeed article came out uh, titled, The Smartest Women I Know Are All Dissociating. Um, and it was written by Emmeline Klein. In which she kind of talks about the phenomenon Fleabag, which was a huge hit. Uh, I've never watched this show. Have you ever watched this show? Mm-hmm. Did you I like have. it? Yeah, I did. Okay, would you recommend for me mm-hmm. to watch it or that just all cringe and I'm going to have to ignore it? Um, I'll have to, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. I think probably ignore it for you, but yeah. it's very good. I like it right. a lot. So Caroline from Unladylike former co-host of uh, Stuff I Never Told You. She loved it, as well as mm-hmm. so many others. The show Girls was also mentioned in this article, and she kind of talks about a new term she has created, which is dissociative feminism, in which she states is, quotes, simply refuses sustenance and lives sometimes within and sometimes outside the craggy body society adores, subsisting on men's lustful gazes and other women's jealous ones. So essentially... The cool girl. We've talked about the types of girl in movies and or uh, stereotypes. She's talking about the new form 
of the cool girl. And when she referenced Fleabag, uh, the main character who just kind of goes with the flow, does whatever, may make a comment about it, but essentially just does what it is to appease men or to appease that nature, whether it's body dysmorphia, uh, whether it's drinking in order to forget or whether having sex and then just zoning out in that sex, like, which is a whole other conversation we've had about uh, enthusiastic consent. And this would be the opposite of it and what women will do. So she has this whole article about women are dissociating now in, in this way uh, from feminism. So it's kind of interesting. And I was like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know if I understand this article. A- Annie, you had a chance to read it. What did you think? Explain to me what uh, I'm missing on this one. <laughs> okay. So I think that as someone who has seen Fleabag, I think the point she was trying, well, the point they were trying to make with this article is that kind of this nihilistic uh, attitude is a response and method of dissociating in a society where there's so much misogyny and patriarchy and uh, all this toxic stuff. There's a whole scene, there's a really moving scene, because basically what happens is like Phoebe Bridger-Wall, Fleabag is playing with the fourth wall. Like she'll look at you and say something um, and then turn back. And then that's sort of the... uh, in quotes, dissociation she's talking about, I think. Um, And then at the end, there's a very powerful moment where she's like, no more, I'm not going to do this anymore. But she has this conversation where essentially she's talking to this guy that she wants to date that she might actually love. And she says something along the lines of like, I want agency until I just don't want it anymore. Like I can't take it, it's too much. It's too much to have this weight. I want someone to make the choices. I want someone to do this. I personally, when I read it, like, I mean, maybe, maybe I could see it being dissociation, but it was more like the, we've talked about this too, this sort of glorification of like Mm self-destruction and these sort of self-destructive characters. I'm not saying like everything she did was self-destructive, but a lot of it was. A lot of it was sabotage and self-destructive. And I think that's different than... Right. Dissociation. Right. So essentially what we're talking about, nihilism versus dissociation. I th- I personally think so. Okay. I think we're talking about like, she maybe is kind of like throwing up her hands. I'm just going to get into fights and drink a lot because this world sucks right. versus like actually dissociating. Okay. All right. So this is, okay. So soon after, I guess maybe people had questions like me <laughs> in this because mm-hmm. I've never seen the show necessarily. So I don't quite understand. I get the premise of it. Essentially it was like self-deprecating humor in order mm-hmm. to figure out oneself. And that's typically through uh, a relationship and or relationships. So mm-hmm. I assumed it was something like that. Girls kind of seemingly was along the same lines, except a destruction of friendship, a destruction of friendship as well, which maybe I, I've never seen either one of these shows. Now, neither one of these oh. shows have ever really kind of like interested me. However, like I said, I think, because yeah, I, I would, I, as a person who is researching these things and we talk about these things and saw the bigger like DID level of uh, dissociation. It didn't make sense. Like that's not the same thing. And we're mm-hmm. not the only ones. Uh, there was another article written uh, in Vice by Kate Mooney who counters some of the points made in BuzzFeed article. But again, kind of like us, trying to remind everyone what dissociation actually is. And she was like, mm-hmm. there's a difference. At one point she talks about being a difference between zoning out and giving up versus dissociating. Um, And she writes in her article, quote, according to Bethany Brand, a clinical psychologist and expert in trauma and dissociative disorders, quote, all of us dissociate to some extent. So it's not too off. Uh, The problem, she said, is that there is a confusion over what that means, even among psychologists. Again, this is where I kind of come back to the whole level of it needs to be a spectrum. Mm-hmm. But it feels like dissociating is not necessarily a choice, but a response, right? That's, yeah, that's kind of been my vibe is it's your body being like, nope. Right. Yeah, which I just remembered one time somebody somebody kissed me and I just like Zoned out. collapsed and I was like a dead body. <laughs> no, I like couldn't move. I was like, oh God. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just used the term zoned out again. That's not the same thing as what you're talking about. Because I've zoned right. out and kissed because like this, I do not want this. That's mm-hmm. not. I think it could be a form of, I guess, 
this might be a disassociate. This might be where the term disassociate comes in. Maybe she should have right. said disassociative feminism instead of dissociative. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I... we just found a solution here <laughs> at the end of oh. all of this. Uh, but yes. yeah, I found that interesting. And uh, her uh, Mooney's article, I felt like did a good point in reminding this is a bigger picture than you think. Right. Uh, so Mooney goes on to say, quote, dissociative symptoms often accompany anxiety disorders. During panic attacks, people may experience derealization or the world around them appears foggy or surreal. The most severe expressions of dissociation stem from trauma. Victims of sexual assault might have an out-of-body experience and, th- and see themselves in the corner of the room or floating above themselves, either during the assault or when recalling it later. Children who experience abuse learn to numb themselves emotionally and physically, to block out painful memories, essentially to survive what's happening to them, Brand explained. Dissociation may develop as an adaptive technique to cope with severe distress, but can also become a conditioned habit that can carry with them into adulthood, where it can present a wide range of problems, from difficulty staying present enough to function on a daily basis to an inability to truly experience one's emotions. Right. Now, again, she does say that it could be a habit. So it, it, there's an overlapping, but I think using it in the term that Klein used it could be a disservice mm-hmm. in when we're talking about dissociating. Again, mm-hmm. I think we should say disassociating for that one. Because <laughs> they're distancing <laughs> like them, really? them themselves. <laughs> I've, I, found a, I found a way. But all these mm-hmm. conversations did bring to light, like, what is happening today? How do we look at it? What do we look at? And I'm, I'm honestly interested in, of course, we don't have the study about, because I was trying to find dissociative behaviors with uh, the pandemic and quarantine. Yeah. Because that's brought on a whole new level. Not just zoning out, not just being distracted, but truly mm-hmm. dissociating. And I'm, maybe we can find it. If y'all know anything about it, maybe someone has talked about it during their therapy session. Please let us know. Uh, but mm-hmm. we didn't want to end with that. Although that, again, kind of a big conversation. But we did want to talk mm-hmm. about possible treatments for it. And again, this is one of those that has to be something that should be professionally uh, talked about, whether it's through uh, a therapist, a doctor even maybe, like mm-hmm. being able to see someone on a professional level. But what some of the treatments that they t- said uh, could be of help is psychotherapy or talk therapy, uh, stress management maybe. And I, I could see that. The panic attacks that I was talking about, I had to find a way to calm my triggers so I don't get into that state of being. Yeah, uh, Looking at uh, treatment of other disorders. So when we talk about the co- comorbidities such as anxiety, depression, PTSD, those could be underlying ways of treating dissociative behaviors and dissociative diagnosis and symptoms as well. Um, again, you would want to talk to a professional about this. Some things that may help uh, that go beyond that is having just a safe environment, which sounds easy, but I know it's hard. It's hard to find that. Uh, again, I don't even know if I found that completely, but I found more ways of finding that for myself at age 40, late 30s. And that could include getting away from your family, no contact, or staying away from situations that you know can cause you that level of stress or triggers. I stayed away from Korean culture for a while because of my fears of that, of the trauma. Um, Yeah, so some ways of looking, uh, again, Talk to people. If you have an opportunity to get to a therapist or psychiatrist, it's a great thing to do. And and just a reminder that, yeah, you're not alone as we are telling our stories. It's more common than you know, uh, but it definitely should be talked about more. Yeah. Clearly a lot of confusion around around it, as we've explained uh, throughout. But yeah, that's that's what we have to say about it for now. Um, If... There are any listeners, if you have any thoughts or experiences, any resources we should look at, any elucidations, um, please let us know. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. The best. She's probably yes. disassociating herself from <laughs> us right now. Oh no. <laughs> um, and thanks to you for listening. Stuff on Never Told You's production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hold up. 
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 